Welcome, everyone, to 2023 season episode 13 of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. As always, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself launched on social media in 2014. Each weekly episode of the podcast offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news notes and a lineup of special guests all throughout the year. This week, we break down the number 12 team's run in the Geico 500 this past weekend at Talladega Super Speedway. Steve, welcome back to episode 13 of the podcast. Fresh off your and my and our wives and hundreds of hundreds of thousands, thousands of our closest friends Mm -hmm. trip to Talladega. How, How are you doing? You survived. I made it. We made it back. Um, what a great, uh, great facility for, for racing. Um, it's definitely worth the trip. Um, it's definitely something else to see super speedway racing in person. You know, now we've been to Daytona now and we've been to Talladega now. Um, but yeah, live is any race really, you just go to a live race and it's so much different than TV. You know, I always get those reviews of, uh, you know, we watch the race, we watch it a certain way we're enthralled with everything that's happening, you know, for Ryan and watching that coverage. But, um, you know, some fans are like, Oh, it was boring watching on TV, but go to the race. Don't watch it on TV. Go to a race once in a while and see the difference. Um, because there's action everywhere. There's action going on all over the place. There's things going on around you, even, you know, a little bit of people watching. Sure. But, um, yeah, the racing was great. And, uh, the weekend, what we did Saturday and <laughs> Saturday into Sunday was pretty, pretty fun too. Um, cause Saturday, uh, Ryan ended up doing a, uh, a question and answer session. Um, and it was supposed to be at, at the Ryan Bailey family foundation tent originally. Uh, but then they realized it was going to be too big of a crowd to try and do at the tent. Um, but, uh, it was kind of cool. We got to go to the tent first. Um, but I wasn't going to go, we, the wife and I were only going to come in Sunday. Adam and Tara, Tara were going to be there, uh, for the, for the Q and a, and actually you did a Facebook live. Yep. At the at the Q&A which was pretty awesome. So that's up if you go to uh, the Team Blaney Facebook page. That that's that's still there. That'll be be running there constantly. That's already gotten a, like a, over a thousand views. Uh, I think did you get the whole thing? The whole Yeah, Q&A I got the part? whole Q&A. Yep. Um so um but what ended up happening is once they announced that Q&A was going to happen, um uh the wife and I decided to figure out how we can move our schedules around a little bit and leave earlier find another hotel where we needed to for the other night. And, uh, we showed up, uh, right around uh, the Q and a was at 1230. We showed up at the, uh, fan zone area at about 12 noon. And, uh, Adam, uh, Mr. Adam Rogers and his wife were pretty surprised. <laughs> yeah. So we, we were, as you said, we were not expecting hashtag team Mez in town until Sunday. Um, so we were kind of holding down the fort, uh, for the, the Ryan Blaney Q and a, I'm getting prepared. Uh, you know, I was, I was planning on doing the Facebook live and, um, I think I was grabbing something out of my, my backpack and I look up and I was like, Oh, that guy kind of looks like Steve that's walking towards me. And then I, you know, I'm like, hold on a second. I look again and here they are. And yeah, team Mez pulled a fast one on us and uh, surprised us day earlier, but it was really cool because we, you know, we got to meet up with several um, people that listen to the podcast, you know, or the mm-hmm. discord, follow us on, on social. Um, you're right about that crowd. Um, I can understand, you know, from where the, the, our Ryan Blaney family foundation tent was out in the midway, you know, the crowd that came up to see Ryan do this Q and a was pretty massive. So they would have blocked off a whole part of the, uh, a whole part of the facility if that would have happened. So, um, but we got to meet some more people. Um, I know we've posted about uh, having some of these stickers that we have for the podcast. And that was uh, probably one of the favorite things was passing those out uh, to a bunch of Ryan fans throughout the weekend. Um, got to meet up with, uh, uh, Justin, uh, what Justin Hughes that, you know, we've chatted with a Justin few times and his, and his, and his new bride, Chelsea, that's true. And his that's new his, bride, Chelsea. Yeah. That, which is really cool. Cause they, uh, if you guys don't know their little story, um, they got married a couple of weeks ago, uh, at Richmond, uh, in victory lane and Mamba actually officiated their wedding. So they, they are actually NASCAR. I said that to him. You're NASCAR royalty now. Absolutely. So, and then Mamba himself is the one that did driver intros on Sunday, uh, ahead of the Sunday. race. So, yeah. um, so um, all that was really, guy. really cool. 
the Q and a was awesome by the way, too. Cause, um, you know, it's great Q and a that's in the fan zone. So people are, you know, say, Hey, Ryan's up on the stage and they put things on the screens there and everything. Um, but when it was done, it was supposed to just be a Q and a, and when it was done, Ryan came down and then started signing and kept signing and started and kept signing and kept signing. I don't know how long he was there. Um, but I think he signed everything until everybody had dissipated and taken pictures, uh, you know, whoever wanted to take selfies and so forth or take, you know, grab a camera. Um, so that was really cool to see too, because you, you know, Q and a, and they only have so much time and you get them in and you get them out off the stage and get going. But Ryan took the time, had the time and took the time and literally like signed till everybody was gone, <laughs> which was really awesome to see a uh, really cool interaction. Lots of great smiles, um, from people who, uh, who got to interact with Ryan and, uh, you know, get that autograph or get that picture. So, um, it made a lot of people's days for sure. And and for us, it was awesome too, because you just get to see that, you know, let alone get an autograph or something like that. Um, it really appreciates who you're rooting for um, when you see them interact with their fans like that. Yeah. And it just goes to show you the, the kind of guy, the kind of driver, the kind of representative of his team um, and of his foundation that Ryan is that you get to see him actually take the time to meet and talk with fans because, you know, sometimes when you have a fan interaction, it isn't always at the best moment you know often it's in the garage or you know after after before driver intros and you know that's like in the middle of their job and they're trying to get to place to place and they do their best to to accommodate fans as they can um, but you could see you know when he actually had the time to spend you know he didn't rush off in the golf cart and and say goodbye I, he hung around um, you mentioned a little bit about the facility uh, and maybe the differences from some other places you mentioned the racing itself you know i've been to probably more than a dozen you know, cup and Xfinity races at, at Daytona and seeing, you know, the way super speedway racing works there. We've seen Atlanta for the last couple of years now in person as well, seeing how, you know, drafting uh, works there. Um, I think they said over the, the speaker several times, they don't race them like they do anywhere else like Talladega. And that's very true. The track's very wide. Um, the runs come a little bit differently. They did, were able to accommodate some three wide and four wide racing at, at some points. Mm-hmm. Um, the mm-hmm. facility itself, um, I have to say we were able, we were lucky enough and, you know, blessed enough to have an opportunity to spend time on Saturday down in the garage experience. And this is something that Talladega debuted probably four or five years ago, um, probably inspired by places like Daytona, who were one of the first to kind of do a really big fan experience in the, you know, kind of in the infield, uh, overlooking the garages. I know Vegas has a really cool one. Phoenix has a really cool one. I have to say this this garage experience that you can purchase as a fan at Talladega was kind of unbelievable. The way that the whole thing is set up, the access that you have, um, the way that that big bills like food court and viewing area is set up right in the middle of the garage. And then you can walk to your left and walk to your right and go up and down and see every cup car and actually be basically standing inside the garage area with the teams as they're preparing their cars uh, for qualifying. And then also for the race with just, you know, a little fence separating you um, mm-hmm. you and those crews that are working on things. And, you know, you know, it's really cool what you can, you know, for the people that are sponsors and stuff, they can get VIP passes and actually walk around. This is about the closest, you know, that I've been able to get just as a fan to what's happening in the garage area. And that was really cool to experience, get to see some of the, you know, the team Penske team members and the 12 crew, uh, mm-hmm. getting ready for qualifying and, uh, wishing them well along the way. So, um, I have to say, one, if Talladega is on your bucket list, you should get there, find some sort of a way, because just the overall experience, as Steve already said, is pretty incredible. And if you can spend, I would even recommend a Saturday, like a qualifying day or something like that, when the teams are going to be a little more active than maybe they are on a race day, considering that's usually an impound race. I would, it's a little bit cheaper on Saturday in the first place if you're already there for the Xfinity race and the ARCA race. Um, but you also probably get to see a little bit more of the action. And um, drivers are popping in and out of there too, you know, before and after qualifying. So really, really cool experience. Great facility. Um, Steve and I have have been at some races where parking and stuff has been a little bit crazy and ingress and egress has been weird. This was probably the easiest I've ever gotten out of a, a cup track where we left, you know, relatively soon after the race ended. We didn't just stick around for hours, you know, hoping things were, were going away. Mm-hmm. They really had yeah. all their everything together at Talladega. Great, great experience. Yeah, I made a, I made a, literally made a right out of the parking lot. Um, you know, it was a little back check on the road, but the road I needed was only about a mile up, up the road. 
got to it, made the right, and boom, I was off and running. And that that does rarely happen. I mean, Michigan's worked on it. Michigan's got their setup a lot more like that now. Um, but yeah, it doesn't always happen that way. <laughs> the last thing I'll say, facility wise, uh, the wife and I did <laughs> did travel down into the infield Saturday night. Um, mm-hmm. They had a great concert uh, with. Um, Cole Swindell was the, the main, the main act, which, you know, he's, I think Ryan's actually friends with Cole. Um, so I don't know if Ryan stuck around for the the concert as well. Um, but you know, thousands of people down there for the concert, uh, we had to at least do it, you know, since I'm not, not sure when we'll be back at Talladega again, but we did make the, uh, trip down the boulevard that I feel like everybody mm-hmm. maybe needs to do once in their life, as long as you are, uh, 18 plus, I would say. And, uh, <laughs> I posted one photo on social media. Um, on the team Blaney Twitter account that I said was the only photo that was appropriate to post from that evening on the boulevard. And it was still with a questionable character. And that was NASCAR yeah. chasm who was down there showing his friend Vincenzo uh, mm-hmm. around as well to all the shenanigans well, who, that were happening who was down the, there. Who was the questionable character in that picture? Uh, that's true. Was it me or was it NASCAR? <laughs> was it me or you know, was it NASCAR? <laughs> and, so, uh, yeah, you know, that kind of leads me into one more thing that happened, uh, you know, that we do, and we try to do this when we get to, to track on Sundays, uh, Sundays, they always do a tweet up. I don't know how many of you that listen to the podcast are, are people who take part of Twitter. Um, hopefully a good portion of you are, uh, but usually every week there is a tweet up. It's somewhere earlier in the morning or, you know, close to afternoon depending on when the garage opens and it's a couple guys usually it's bob pockross or it is uh jeff gluck sometimes jordan bianchi and this time here jordan wasn't there but those two guys were there and nascar chasm showed up too um kelly crandall yeah yeah so we had uh, you know we had a bunch of media there uh sometimes they bring a guest um not always uh, but they do a couple minutes where they'll talk about the events. They ask, qu- take questions, and then they kind of take it. They take group picture, and then they break off in little groupings. Like um, I got to talk with Jeff for a little bit. I went over and talked to uh, Bob for a little bit. He gave me some animated answers. It was pretty cool. Um, so uh, if it's a, if you get a chance to do that, it adds to the experience of the day. It's really kind of cool. You get to stand there with some other fans who are you know. You'll find out that uh, if it's a slow conversation, Bob will get it going. He'll look at what shirt you're wearing and ask you a question. <laughs> He'll be like. What do you think of your guy, you know, and, and get things going. But, uh, most of the time these got people really, you know, have, well, have some good questions, things that have happened the last week or so things that are about to happen. And, uh, Bob, uh, you know, Bob, like I said, Bob usually runs it. Jeff runs it when he's there. Uh, Jordan will come along from the athletic also. Um, and, and they, uh, you know, they have inside answers too, or it might be something they've never uh, thought of asking. And then the next thing you know, you hear you hear about it now they'll tweet up tweet about it later on they ask somebody the question so um always a good little thing to add to the experience and plus like if you get to a track early anyway it's something you can do besides just being the midway you know absolutely so moral of the story get to talladega or this weekend dover weekends Mm -hmm. after that just get out to a track if you've never been to one before nascar races often you can find a really affordable seat um and it's kind of it can be an experience of lifetime if you've never been to one so i guess we've talked and we were really excited just to talk about our experience i know just because there's a new track for both of us but there was a race i guess to go to a race and it did start things off um uh, no practice there was qualifying but there's still a little drama involved with the the weather leading into that um well, yeah, the couple of days beforehand, it looked a little iffy and looked a little sketchy on weather. And we tweeted back and forth a couple of things about how, um, where would, where he would land if they did get it rained out. Um, uh, actually, what was it? It would have been six or something like that if it rained out. Uh, but we did not end up having, having that issue, um, thankfully, <clears throat> um, because he ended up starting a little, a little closer to the front than that. Um, he went out, I think about 31st or 32nd for, for qualifying overall. And put up a lap that put him in the top 10 pretty easily. Uh, so we, we were going for the pole, you know, one lap for the pole. And um, the lap he put up, he went out fifth. And the lap he put up was the first one of the bunch that was over 180 miles an hour. So uh, everything was perfect. <laughs> then it was just like hanging on. Let's see what the next five guys do. Um, but a couple of them did pass him. Um, and he ends up uh, st- starting fifth. Uh, what was it? The 11, the 11 with the pole. Yeah. 11 and, with the poles. Uh, 
So yeah, starting fifth, he did at least start one position more than if it would have rained. And it was pretty close. There was uh, you know, we stayed in a hotel nearby and it had rained overnight. Um, and I would just in the morning on the way to the track, kept refreshing of the feed from from Bob. You know, I'm like, I know Bob's usually one of the first people at the track, and I'm like, he's gonna be able to tell us if they're gonna get this this qualifying in or not, because we're also trying to get there for qualifying just to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so but yeah, Bob immediately finally tweets and says it was rain overnight, but the track looks mostly dry. And I was like, all right, we're going to be good to go because the forecast the rest of the weekend is pretty clear. So, yeah, starts fifth in a in a bullet prepared by uh, the 12 team and, and crew chief Jonathan Hassler out there for Ryan. Yeah, and, and, and as I describe everything that happens this weekend, I want you guys to realize that um, Jonathan and everybody involved, including Ryan, executed almost perfectly the whole weekend. Um and that's what made that's what makes this weekend so much fun, you know, for us going to it because we saw the best that they had. Um, the stages were 60, 120, 188. Um, and uh, like I said, starting fifth in the low lane. And I'm not going to give you a lot of passes. This one passes that one. First off, I was at the track, so it's a lot harder for me to keep track of. But in a plate race, of course, it's totally impossible to keep track of because this line moves in front of that line, and sometimes they move three, four, five positions within the lap. So. We're not even going to go there. But uh, lap two, we get a caution for the 34 spinning out. Uh, I believe he had a flat tire, actually, which was kind of strange right off the bat. Um, First hit to my fantasy team. Yeah, yeah, I don't even (laughs) want to think about that. Right, Alligate. Oh, man. Um, uh, I think the top 20 cars stay out. They restart lap seven. Uh, Ryan is running in the top 10 for most of this here. Lap 35 as we start the green flag pit stops, and this is where the fun starts. Uh, The Toyotas go in, and the... um, the 45 spins out, but he gets it going again. So there's no caution for this. And that's a little foreshadowing. Uh, lap, uh, let's see, lap 39, the uh, the Chevys go ahead and pit. And then lap 41, the Fords come in. And our boy, Chase Briscoe in the 14, he does a little spinorama. This is not a good spinorama, though. I mean, Ryan has spun before there and, and, and executed and got back out there. This one here, he blew a tire. Um, was that would be the right front, I believe. Yeah. Did not and, go well for him. And he just kept and spinning and spinning. Yeah. And this spinning. is that thing that we saw last year with these tires. If one of them, just one blows and you're stopped and you have no momentum and can't get it moving again, you really are stuck. And this does bring out the caution. Uh, what was interesting is that the, that the, the pit stop was fuel only and they took uh six, 6.507 seconds on the pit stop. So that's how much fuel they were taking. And this is you know important later on because most of these pit stops during the day, we're not worried about how long the actual tire change takes. We're only worried about how much gas can we put in now so that later on we don't have to put as much gas in it. Plus in this uh, situation right here, the Fords, they had nothing to lose because <laughs> the, the Toyotas, which obviously they had a little bit of a hiccup there. Um, mm-hmm. They had already pitted. The Chevys already pitted because of the Toyotas hiccup. The Chevys are out front of everybody. And then the Fords have this issue where they were already slowed down because of trying to avoid Briscoe. The caution comes out. They're going to start at the back of the pack anyway. So you might as well put on the four tires and pack it full of as much fuel yeah. as you possibly can. Well, they didn't, they didn't, you know, nobody, nobody pitted for that caution. They, they all stayed out at that point. Um, Ryan uh, is in the top 10 and uh, the, the the lap 48, they do the restart uh, lap 52. Uh, this third lane forms. And I, I post that because uh, this becomes uh, something that people are excited about. Um, but the reality, what you really find out is that people are saving fuel in the low lane and the second lane. And sometimes that third lane, it forms, um, but it never can move forward because now all of a sudden the low lane decides, okay, we'll get more organized and we'll push a little harder and we'll get out in front because we're running the, the shorter right around the tracks. But um, don't rain on my uh, parade, Steve, because uh, <laughs> I was telling you a little bit before already, you know, they, they this third lane forms a few times throughout this race. And if you don't know about the fuel saving or what's yeah. really going on, if you don't have a, you know, your scanner up and listening to team audio or I'm, I have no idea what they are telling people on TV. All I can tell you is that, you know. Um, the crowd at Talladega, I forgot to mention it earlier, the biggest since 2008 at the track. Um, so that's saying something it was, I mean, it wasn't a sellout, but there was a ton of people there. Every time that third lane would form, people were on their feet and were excited. So I'm going to pretend that I don't know that people are just saving fuel the whole time because I could even get <laughs> caught up in the excitement of that too, because especially going into this race, 
And even going into Daytona earlier this year where the drivers and, you know, a podcast hosts and <laughs> uh, spotters and all these people are saying third lane will never form. It'll never work. We actually did see a two, a couple of guys make it to the front eventually in, in that third lane. And it was really exciting to see. So I'm just going to pretend that uh, the reason it happened was just because it was exciting and cool racing and not really just because it was all strategy. Well, part of it is, is, is the number of guys that get into the third lane. Um, it was only it ends up being three or four, four or five. It ends up being eight or nine and, then it becomes three full lanes of, you know, nine cars or something, nine or 10 each, you know, but, um, Ryan does jump up in there, uh, at some point here because he, he hears the eight cars in there and he thinks the eight's one of the stronger cars for pushing. So he tries to jump up in there and be part of it. Um, but like I said, it kind of dies. Um, and he kind of like, just, it ends up dying out by the end of the stage. And I think it ends up like about, I think have here, like either 21st or 22nd here at the end of that stage, uh, the nine winning the stage. Um, so it hurt track position a little bit too, but. Yeah. Know. They were already kind of back there because of the fact about that, the Briscoe issue and the Fords kind of being put in the back because of the way that the pit cycle went. Um, yeah. So I think he, he's, he was trying to make something happen. And uh, I think I had posted and you kind of correct me a little bit about it. It seemed like he bailed. I mean, he tried to make a move and then it just looked like it fizzled out. So he just kind of was like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay where I'm at. So unfortunately that first stage, uh, you know, wasn't super exciting or wasn't super successful for the 12 team, but yeah. um, we still knew he had a strong car. It was just a matter of time mm-hmm. and strategy to, to get back up front, get back up there. Yeah. Um, so four tires and fuel here, and I've got a, a pit pit uh, time of thirteen point zero four three seconds. There's a there's an actual source now that I found that we can look some of these up, and the reason I'm pointing this out is it's not about the tires. I posted the video of one of the pit stops uh, on on uh, on the TikTok, by the way, and um, what you'll see is that you'll see exactly that the guys come around, change the right sides, go back over to the lefts, and then when they're done, they're standing there watching the the fuel guy. <laughs> because it's on him and the jack guy i don't know if they're coordinating with the jack man or whatnot but they're waiting they're waiting they're waiting so they, they might have taken an extra three or four seconds but they're packing a four fuel fuel because they pack it now they may not as need as much later on and and this was just you know this is the way this this racing works um so we get uh the restart lap 68 he's 22nd here on the restart um and really it's green flag from 68 to 103 here i don't really have a lot of anything going on two lanes for the most part um like you said sometimes the third lane starts but then it dissipates um but there's not a lot of movement there's not a lot of a lot of being able to get past somebody and then make a way around somebody and not anybody being pushed to the lead and then moved out of the way for the next car or anything like that so uh lap 103 the uh the chevy's pit but not all the chevys um some of them i think get trapped in the higher lane and uh that causes a little bit of an issue so at lap 104, when the Toyotas do come in, the rest of those Chevys who didn't pit are able to pit. Um, and at lap 105, the Fords come down for fuel. Uh, and I've got Ryan here. We're taking a 3.37 seconds here on his for fuel. Um, so they had it packed from the from the caution pit stop to the point where they didn't have to take as much here to get to the end of the stage. Uh, the 22 is caught speeding here. This kind of changes his day a little bit. Um, uh, at lap, uh, so we get to lap 120 here and, um, the 10 wins the stage. Ryan was an 18th at this point. Uh, they do four tires and once again, are waiting on fuel. Uh, they do about a 16 point, I'm sorry, not 16, 12.66 second pit stop. So it's a little shorter than the last one might be because they had more fuel in there still. Uh, and they come out 11th. So they gain seven spots in the pit cycle. Now. The pit stop itself was excellent. Like I said, I've taped one or two of these. I put them online so you guys can see an actual pit stop. Um, but watch the gas man on the pit stop because they come around, they change the tires, come around, change the other tires, and then they're just all standing there looking at the fuel guy and waiting for Jonathan to say it's okay. So um, not a bad thing, though. That's the thing. Is this, this is something that will later on help because you don't need as much gas later on. Um. And that tells you also seven spots gained. So that tells you how many other cars were trying even harder to pack their fuel cells. Some cars will come down pit road a second time. They'll they will run if they were extra 
caution laps in there during this thing, they'll come back down with like before there's one to go, even just because they're trying to pack it full of fuel. Um, they restart lap 127. Uh, by lap 131, Ryan has battled his way to the front. So he started in the top 10 again. So he's only four or five rows back. And some of the shuffling that happens is just perfect. Certain guys get pushed to lead, they get pushed over. And another another guy leads the lane, gets him on up there. Um, but literally, um, he's in one lane and the 21 cars in the other lane for a while. And they kind of like give it back and forth here and there. Um, then we get our uh, caution at lap 142 for the uh, 21 getting spun off the nose of the 42. And uh, this one uh, explained, I've seen it explained now that um, there's that a bump back there where they put the, they put a tunnel in underneath the track and when they did it they had to repair the track a little bit i guess or something because there's like a different bump of asphalt there and he basically got pushed during the bump and it kind of like spun him out so it wasn't anything on purpose and it wasn't anybody's lack of ability or anything like that it was just a real real weird spot where he took a push in, in the wrong area um and the uh, 38 and the three are kind of involved behind it uh, Ryan comes in for fuel only here, 5.033 seconds of fuel, but keeps him out front. Um, <clears throat> and uh, they restart lap 148. Now he starts to battle the 23, leading the other lane at this point. Um, and um, lap 170, I have the 54 leading the high lane. So uh, Bubba kind of got shuffled a little bit. Uh, Ryan's leading the low lane. The Fords are behind him helping conserve gas. And I wrote that wrote it that way because... Uh, for the most part, you always hear about super speedway racing. You hear that the leader of a lane is using more gas than the guys behind him because the guys behind him are drafting. And generally, this is true. But the way they were running the last part of this race, especially, uh, they were just trying to get to the end of the race, and everybody was. So, in other words, the cars behind Ryan weren't going to push him as hard because they were saving fuel. And in turn, what they were doing for him is helping him save fuel because they would basically be half, uh, I hear heard Josh say half and half a ton uh, because it was half a car length is what he's saying, half a car length back to your help. And what they would do is generate a little bit of a push and it'd be a bump, 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 bump from four or five spots back to him. And then it would settle back down. And then a little later on, another bump, 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 bump. And that was it. And he was literally able to run, not run full throttle. And I know the people who watched it on, on TV, they actually point that out, that um, uh, that the, especially the Fords, because of how organized they were in that bottom lane, uh, they were able to make it so that Ryan didn't have to push the car as much. And everybody in that lane was able to serve, save a ton of fuel. Um, which ends up being huge here as we go. Now, on the other uh, hand, as you mentioned, the 45, uh, which is an inexperienced cup driver and Ty Gibbs is oh, leading yeah. that lane. And it's worth noting that what happens with him later on this and that, mm -hmm. you know, especially on the, the MRN broadcast and uh, radio chatter and stuff, you know, the Toyotas were all lined up up there. But the, most of them were really nervous about the 45 being inexperienced and being the one that's 50, leading 50, the lane. Or sorry, 54. Sorry, the, yeah. Yeah, the, the number backwards. Um, he was in the 45 briefly last year. But um, the, yeah, 54. So uh, he, uh, Ty Gibbs is just a little bit inexperienced when it comes to the Cup Series and maybe in not really leading too many laps yet, especially on these big tracks. So I don't think they were able to get as organized as much because he just doesn't have experience leading a lane. Um, Denny Hamlin on his Action Detrimental podcast had brought this aspect up and kind of went through this a little bit and had even mentioned that, you know, through their spotters, they're sending messages to the 54 spotter, like trying to coach Ty on where he, sh he should be running and how he should be, you know, making runs and when he should be waiting for pushes and, um, Denny had even said, you know, maybe if they could go back again, if they could convince the 54 to cut out a line real fast and let Bubba lead the line again, um, just because Bubba's a lot more experienced. So um, you're going to see a difference here in what happens to, you know, the 12 car and, and the 54, the way this the end of this race plays out. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. It's and it, it's weird. We talked about the racing. We talked about how they got three wide and, and could generate runs or couldn't generate runs. And um a lot of the people that do lament about the, the current state of this super speedway package is the fact that it's turned into all a lot about just fuel. It's like a whole fuel, fuel saving race. And like, mm -hmm. that's what people are kind of upset that 
it's turned into that type of a strategy of race. So like I said, if you were looking at this race without knowing about the strategy and stuff, you probably could have thought it was amazing. And I know there's plenty of people around me in the stands that, that were, you know, came away with that. Um, but when you do kind of get inside baseball, inside racing, I guess <laughs> on this, um, you, you kind of, kind of see, you can peel back the onion on what the strategies really are and why things are happening uh, throughout a race like this. So it's still enjoyable. I think you could find enjoyment both ways, but um, it is interesting to, to really know what's going on behind the scenes. At um, lap 184, we get a caution for the 22, uh, the seven gets involved, 47, and all the leaders stay out here. Um, at lap 190 is the restart. Um, Ryan's leading the inside, and a 42's got the high lane uh, with the one behind him. Now, this is the first green-white checker, and, um, you know, the, the biggest thing is you get to the white flag. If you can get to the white flag, then the next flag ends the race, you know. But we don't even get to, I don't know, where did this happen? It wasn't even to the backstretch yet, right? Where the one car, the 42 tries to go a little high for some reason. The one car stuffs it in there in between them. And the next thing you know, the 42 is spinning. And, uh, you know, the one car basically just pulled them out of there. Uh, the worst part about this is what happens behind them. The five car spins and then the 41 comes plowing up into them. And uh, it's quite an accident. Uh, I heard that they NASCAR asked uh, Stuart Haas if they could have the 41 car just to study it because uh, they want to see what the impact did to that car versus what it did to the five car. And yeah. pretty scary. Yeah, they have both cars back at the R&D Center this week. Um, a lot of photos being shared on social media of the aftermath and the way that the, the five cars roll cage kind of bent. Um, people are really concerned about that. Um, the one thing to note, and I've seen some other folks and reporters kind of explain, is the fact that the passenger side of the car, the way the roll cage is built and the way the reinforcements are built is much, much different than the driver's side of the car. Um, I heard one, you know, radio hosts and reporters saying that as much it's much a, as much as four times stronger on the driver's side than it is the passenger side, and that to some extent they've built the passenger side to give a little bit to deflect some of that energy that happens in a crash like that. They can't afford to do that on a driver's side no matter what. So it's going to be a harder hit, but you're most likely going to be contained much better. I do think NASCAR still did have a problem with the fact that the uh uh, that's the greenhouse, but like that top part of the roll cage did kind of bend a little bit weird. And I think people just assumed like, oh, if you would have been hit on the driver's side, that same thing would have happened. From what I understand, no, that's not true. But they do. I mean, this is one of the first really big crashes like this in the next-gen car. Um, so NASCAR, obviously, like you said, immediately they brought the five with them. They got back to North Carolina, and then they asked, wait, you know what, let's get the 41 in here too. They want to gather as much data as they possibly can and get it into computer modeling and and see what they can maybe do to improve things. Uh, because if there's anything that the sport does do, um, is they do take safety really, really seriously. Um they maybe aren't able to take action as quickly as some people do, especially with some of the concussion stuff from last year. Um, but they are always working because, you know, the drivers are pretty much the biggest assets that they have and uh, they have to keep them safe. And luckily so far, you know, both guys drew or walked away from this, this accident and um, seem to be doing okay. Seem to be ready to go and race at Dover this weekend. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we're staying out here, and uh, the fuel, like I said, has been a concern. Uh, the radioactive was on earlier. Uh, the A car is asking, you know, how the heck are them guys able to, we're, we're close, they're close. And they literally told um, told Kyle that the, the Fords were all running together and they were saving fuel together. Um, so, you know, it was something that everybody was worried about. And when they line up for this restart, um, you know, Ryan takes the inside lane on all these restarts because the inside lane is the best lane on uh, this this whole day. And um, the 54 is in his lane behind him. And a lot of people ask me, it says, did they jump the restart? Did they? No, what happened is the 45 or 54, I'm sorry. I just did yeah, same, same thing. thing. <laughs> same thing. 54 ran out of gas coming to the green and ducked out of the line. So he was smart enough to get out of the way and not cause a crash right there on the front stretch. Um but it slowed that line down because now all of a sudden you had to fill a gap and they had to hurry up and fill the gap and then they get to them and it just took longer to get to them. So it wasn't that anybody jumped the restart. It was that the the lane that Ryan was in kind of got disorganized right off the bat. Now it reorganizes. And what's cool about this is now they get to the white flag with all this going on. Um, 
because they're not three wide near the front. <laughs> you know, there's one lane out front of the other lane. The other lane has to get organized. So it takes a lap to do that. And that's fine because it organizes very, very well for Ryan. Um, I'm just thinking get- about Daytona. I'm thinking about yeah. Daytona, yeah. you know, the Daytona race, Ryan wins and they got to the white flag and I'm like, that's all we need. That's all we need to stay out front, just stay out front, just stay out front or get to the front. Like, as you're probably mm-hmm. about to just mention. So, um, at least we got to the flag. Yeah. Um, uh, so they get the white flag and, and they, it's, which is great too, because I don't think we're going to last an, another green, white foot checkered or on fuel either at this point. Um, a lot of guys weren't going to, um, but they get, they get to the white flag. He gets the push going down into one and two, um, to get to Bubba. Um, and the low lane, the eight car, meanwhile, is getting a push also, uh, down the low lane. This is just, this is the, what, yeah, what it could have, should have, and what ifs, you know, um, the so Ryan goes low he goes, tries to go back to middle to high, back down to the middle to high. And then he just ends up hooking, um, Bubba and, you know, post race, you'll hear about you know, two great interviews, um, you know, Ryan saying, you can't do that. <laughs> and Bubba saying, I shouldn't have done that. Um, Kyle Busch wins the race. Um, but uh, one great explanation, and I think it was Freddie Kraft actually on Door, Door Bumper Clear was talking about is once you get to the white flag, you have to lead the race. Whether you got to throw 20 blocks and try not to get crashed or and successfully do things uh, or back up to people and try to get more runs, you have to lead the race because the caution could come anywhere behind you at that point. And just like Ryan at Daytona two years ago, I'm glad you pointed that out. That's exactly what happened uh, down the back stretch on that last lap. Ryan was actually out in front of everybody. They were trying to build runs behind him. And that's why the crash happened is uh, a couple guys disagreed with who got to lead the run. <laughs> so um, Bubba, I don't blame him totally. I mean, it's his fault. Yes, because he did what he tried to do. But on the other hand, Freddie's right. You have the white flag and, you know, the next flag ends the race. So if it's a caution, you want to be leading. You know, whether you had to block 10 times down that backstretch and figure out how to do it, you had to be leading. The woulda, coulda, oulda, shoulda, and ifs, that's the worst part about it is um, Kyle Busch being pushed to the lead. If Kyle Busch is maybe 100 yards short of, everything and ryan and ryan gets around bubba and then the caution <laughs> then we get the we get the scenario we all hope for um it was close you know ryan even ran side by side with the eight coming out of four yeah, yeah, just um, for the fun of it. eventually by the trioval backed off a little bit but i think he's also uh running out of fuel yeah. um so it's like you just don't know what's going to happen i mean i could see where ryan thought maybe you know he did spin off my nose maybe the caution came out and then i, I was in the lead but um you know, Ryan, and like you said in his post-race interview, he said you can't, you can't do that. You can't triple block. He didn't mm-hmm. say that he wouldn't <laughs> if he was a leader, no. because if he was no. leading, I think he'd be doing the same so, thing. You know, okay. people were complaining about Bubba, you know, causing this crash, or you know, you know, saying you know, like this is something Ryan would never do. And it's like Ryan's had some in his even his two Talladega wins. They're, they were kind of controversial finishes if you break them down a little bit with, with some <laughs> some moves that he's made. So you can't say he hasn't made any controversial moves at the end of these races. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're really just hoping. See, the thing here, as you said, so the 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 caution could have come out at any at any time. This I think Bubba had kind of said, you know, I didn't expect a, the move like that or the run like that to be happening in one and two because especially with Talladega where – the the check uh, the start finish line is beyond the trioval unlike most mm-hmm. tracks so there yeah. was a lot of real estate to traverse to get back to the, the actual checkered flag if they got to there so who knows mm-hmm. what would have happened going down the back stretch would have happened going into three would have happened coming out of four would have happened going into the trioval would have happened going out of the trioval most of those last lap passes at Talladega happen coming out of the tri- trioval going to the start finish line. Um, yeah. But who knows what, what could have happened. The, like you said, the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. I don't know that Ryan necessarily wins the race. There is a lot going on that, like you said, the bottom lane with Kyle, the reason he won in the first place is because they were pushing really hard and they were able to get past real quick as 
mm-hmm. uh, Bubba, Bubba and Ryan made contact. The outside lane was kind of disheveled at that point, mm-hmm. and that's who would have been pushing Ryan. So, yeah. but, yeah. Literally, but we didn't even literally... see with this restart though. Just within a lap, though, Ryan was able to go from the bottom lane being a disaster to getting out almost to the lead. So he has yeah. the talent to make that happen. So it's just you could rethink this a thousand times, and I'm Possibly. sure Ryan's thought about it, you know, a hundred thousand times since the end of this. <laughs> yeah, but so, um, you know, here's here's a scenario. Um, so let's say he does not get blocked by Bubba, but gets around yeah. him on the outside. Okay, the next move he has to make he has to make is to go all the way down low and trying to get in front of the eight trying to get in front of the eight because the eight had a run run. he's got a huge run and there would have been nobody to help ryan ryan would have had to do what almost break check to find some help and that wouldn't have worked either so i don't know that he wins i don't want to be the one that says he doesn't win but it was not gonna really look good he was trying to take the move that he could with the run that he had and then Mm -hmm. put it in his hands but yeah but again there's so much more track to go that with his talent he maybe could have generated another run and mm-hmm. coming out of three or coming out of four or going into three, coming out of four, coming out of the trial. who knows? But it's just, um, I think the, the, you know, the thing we're missing is, you know, they finished second. They finished second. And that's the part I, you know, you forget right away because you're, you know, so upset the last, he didn't win. Yeah. The last 30 or 40 laps of the race, they're trading the lead back and forth and leading 20 or 30 laps in there in a row. And, and while they're doing all that, that's all you're thinking about. You're sitting there thinking, well, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. You know, we're here. We, get to, we got to see it, you know. 55 um, races. Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't even going to bring numbers like that up. Yeah, Stop that. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm just talking about just being there to, to experience yep. it. Because we get did get we did get Daytona two years ago. Um, we got the Roval, my wife and I, you know, that one time. So, you know, just, you know, that's what you're starting to think about is your, the laps are ticking down and he's controlling the race the way he knows how to control it. And what I said at the beginning uh, earlier is true. This team came in, Jonathan, his pit crew, his crew guys, um, ran a perfect weekend. The car was extremely strong, both pushing and being pushed, uh, had huge speed and it, it did. He, and Ryan, you know, Ryan executed perfectly, you know, even the, even the, the hooking of Bubba is the, it's the move you have to make. Um, so he made all the moves he could, um, and second, you know, it's not the, the finish you hope for when you do everything like that. Right. But it really shows how good they are when, when they put it all together like that. Yeah. So looking at the positives, that was the second, second place finish of the year. Um, his fourth, second place finish <laughs> since his last victory, um, they, they're, they didn't get any stage points, uh, just, just the way that things fell. So that was unfortunate, but they did gain some points here, uh, finishing the second position. So he actually, in the overall point standings, he moves up two positions into the eighth position. Um, he gains, I think about five or six points back to the leader. So now he's only 55 points back of the NASCAR cup series leader. And that is Christopher bell, uh, Chastain's in second, Harvick, third, Larson, fourth, Bush, fifth. Reddick sixth, Truex seventh, and Ryan, like I said, eighth. Bowman is ninth, and Denny Hamlin rounds out the top ten there. So it's it's pretty amazing. He did have a stretch there for a while where he was finishing, uh, you know, twenty plus. Uh, but the last couple of races here, we've got we've come home with some top ten finishes and a little bit of momentum. And I've I've talked to a couple other people about the fact that I feel like they've you know they've kind of it's been a little bit of a struggle all year long. They really haven't gotten that many stage points all year long. Yet we have a driver here in this twelve team that's still sitting in the eighth position in the straight up you know drivers point standings, which I find that to be uh, kind of incredible. Yeah, it's a, you know this. Um... Having multiple winners now is kind of a, a good thing because you get that little bit of that pressure off where you know <laughs> last year it was like new winner, new winner, new winner, new winner. Um uh pretty impressive for Kyle Bush because he kind of like fell into one. <laughs> what what was the what was the line he had about the I think he's at the moment he kept backing into victories, and this is yeah. now since he has said that, this mm-hmm. is the second victory that he's backed into himself, yeah, uh, going himself, from so. Br- Bristol Dirt last year, and then now this race. Um, yeah. I think he won was it Vegas or something earlier? I forget where he won earlier this season, but he won that one outright. But yeah. it is funny that he, now his two of his last three wins were wins that he he himself backed. also kind of backed into <laughs> into it. Uh, somebody was pointing out, oh, he has more wins than all of. Uh, Gibbs uh, Gibbs does so far this year. 
I honestly did not two to one that, did not see that coming. And you know, <laughs> we've talked about the crowd reaction this week. And you know, I think I I forget I've been to three races so far this year, and um, he still gets booed. Um, he's not getting the typical Kyle Busch boos that he used to. He's, I think part of it's because of the success. He's acting a little bit different. Uh, he's in a new organization, new team, and it helps that you come out of the gate, win two races, and watch your former team, uh, which is actually the 54 car, um, not do not setting the world on fire. So he's you got an extra skip in his step, especially all the way to, to victory lane twice for Richard Childress Racing. Um, so... Uh, that's something we want to see the 12 team uh, accomplish uh, sooner rather than later. And their next opportunity to do that is this weekend in Dover, Delaware, as the NASCAR Cup Series heads to the northeast. Um, the action this weekend for the Cup Series, at least, is going to start on Saturday uh, when they have practice and qualifying 1035 a.m. Eastern time on FS2. Um and then FS1, it's, it's going to be one of those weird things. It starts, coverage starts on FS2 at 10.30, switches over to FS1 at 11. So um, part of this, Steve, you're not going to be able to watch the other second half of it. If you're if you're around, you can watch that, that cup qualifying on Saturday. And then if you want to tune in for the race, coverage starts at 1. It's a little bit earlier uh, than some of the, most of these races are. So a little bit earlier start. Coverage for NASCAR race day starts at 1. And the actual Cup Series race coverage starts at 2 p.m., um, right now, Bob is reporting, uh, a pretty decent amount of rain in the forecast Friday, yeah. Saturday, and Saturday and Sunday. So even mm-hmm. though, you know, talking about being able to tune in on Saturday to watch practice and qualifying, um, might be, uh, might be a little bit sketchy to get this race in. And I think Dover is one of those tracks where they don't, I think they don't race at night there. Right. I'm not sure. Um, I, they, I, they have, I think they have lights. Maybe we'll we'll have to check with Bob. We'll have to check with Bob. Um, (laughs) But um, this weekend's sponsor for the race for the race is worth worth. And the sponsor on the car is Wabash. Wabash. (laughs) So both are, are, I don't know if they're related to each other or not, but both are, um, are, are like over the road truck um, kind of sponsors, right? No, worth is uh, uh, parts and, and and accessory car accessory parts and stuff like that type thing yeah yeah i've uh, i've seen maybe uh, i've seen worth trucks that have wabash uh trailers on them that's probably what it is that's probably what it is yeah (laughs) um but yeah both of those sponsors are pretty have been pretty good to ryan uh, on social media especially the the worth stuff if you follow them Mm -hmm. they're very active they share our posts Mm -hmm. you know we share their posts and um they're one of those cool sponsors that um that have been really really good for ryan on social media Wabash has some giveaways this week. Um, if you go and follow the Instagram and uh, uh, put on there somebody else that you'll be watching the race with or whatever it says, uh, tag a friend basically, and they've got some uh, signed, we have some autographed giveaways. So that's worth doing. So let's take a look at Ryan Blaney's stats at Dover. Uh, worth mentioning he is a NASCAR Xfinity Series win at Dover. Uh, but in the NASCAR Cup Series, things have not been all that great. Um, he has an average start of 12.2 average finish of 19.5. Um, he has just two top tens there coming in his very first start in 2016. Um, and then in another start in 2018, that would be his first with uh, team Penske prior to that. He was in the Wood Brothers car for those other four races. Um, last few races here, uh, we'll start in, in the, in the 2020 14th. 12th 12th and last year 26 so um not his best track statistically um but he's been able to turn that around at some of these these other tracks in the last last couple of years so i mean what are your expectations for this team i mean it's going to be difficult if they don't have practice at qualifying we're really going to know what what kind of piece they're bringing to the racetrack yeah that that part is the part that never worries me. Um, just from getting to talk to Jonathan at the beginning of the year and and how uh, how they attack a situation like that, uh, I'm not worried at all. As a matter of fact, I'd rather see it in some cases because they're going to be ahead of other teams uh, on setup um, or adjustability, um, so that they can adjust early in a race. So um, that part doesn't worry me too much. Uh, you know, it's a very difficult track to maneuver to begin with. And certain teams or crew chiefs have just this little knack of figuring out what it is to help the guy get the car to turn. Um, 
And sometimes guys are, you know, can run a lane that nobody else can run to. And that makes a difference too. So, uh, like I said, we'll see how practice goes, you know, that's uh, so usually what I wait for before I put any kind of fantasy lineup together. Um, and, uh, we can't wait for, hopefully they do get a little bit of practice. Cause I really would like to see, um, I guess to see lap time, see, uh, those 20 and 30 lap runs too, because that, that makes a big difference. And this package is not the short track package either. So, uh, the racing should be a little bit different too. Yeah, that's worth mentioning the fact that, yeah, they have switched up the short track package or which is like this kind of mile and under track package, but that's really only in play at Martinsville, Richmond, Phoenix, but it uh, will be at the all-star race. Um, But Dover and Bristol, because of the banking that they have at these tracks, even though that they're a mile and under, they're running the standard package. So they're still going to have the diffuser on the car. Um, You're not going to see them running around with uh, windshield wipers. They're not going to put... You know, the wet weather tires, tires. are going to be in effect, yeah. even though it's raining this weekend. So throw all that out the window. And that's not going to happen this weekend at Dover. Um, this is one of those tracks, and I, I don't think you've been there yet, but I think it's one of those ones that you said you want to check off off your list as well. Um, it was always historically one of my favorite ones to play on the NASCAR games growing up, to play on iRacing, uh, just because of the rhythm that you get in, because of the high banking, the kind of high speeds. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's the monster mile, something uh, cool to look forward to. And I'm really hoping, uh, that they, they come out with a good race this weekend. Um, if you're on TikTok, um, there's a good follow here. Um, it's Jan man at Jan man 33 and it's J A N M A N N 33 with the at symbol in front of it. He is actually, um, one of the guys that drives one of the on track, um, jet dryers, uh, the Elgin number one. And as a matter of fact, he has a brand new one that they debuted at Talladega. Um, and he will put a TikTok out here or there, uh, when he has time, uh, showing sometimes conditions <laughs> and what they're about to do. And, um, uh, so it's an actually a really, really good follow. Cause he tries to put out two or three a weekend. He'll actually literally answer questions if he has a chance or two, too. So it's at J A N M A N N 33 on TikTok. Good follow with, you know, something deep inside of NASCAR that you never think about. Um, but this guy, you know, he's one of the crew that goes from track to track each week and cleans the track and drives the track and gets that track ready. So, yeah. And as we said, this, unfortunately, he might have some content this weekend with the way yeah. uh, the forecast have some, looks. Some work to do. So that's what lies ahead here at Dover. Let's jump back a little bit to Talladega and let's talk about our uh, fantasy lineups and the points that we earned for the Geico 500 when it comes to the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league. I mentioned during our race recap that I already had a hiccup kind of right out of the gate when McDowell had his problem on lap two. Um, so let's go over my starters in my lineup. I had Eric Almarola. I had Chris Buescher. I had Austin Dillon. I had Eric Jones. Initially I had uh, Michael McDowell in the starting lineup and I had Joey Logano in the garage. Um, shout out to Talladega, um, where I can say, you know, Daytona and so far this year in races that I've attended in person, Daytona and Talladega have had incredible Wi-Fi coverage at the track. I was not expecting that all at all at Talladega. I don't, I had heard some horror stories about phone connection prior to this, uh, long story short, I was able to take, uh, Logano out of my garage on my phone and put, uh, uh, and put McDowell into the garage and make that swap, which didn't end up being, great at all uh, but i did enjoy the fact that i was had some phone connection uh to be able to at least make that change uh so those are my starters now let's take a look at my featured matchups i picked eric jones over ricky stenhouse jr that was correct i picked bubba wallace over austin dillon that was correct I picked Corey lajoy over eric almarola that was incorrect almarola um i don't think we mentioned it he was also one of those cars that ran into trouble at the end of that race at talladega i don't know if it was a fuel issue or a damage and tire issue ryan kept saying in interviews that he thought he had damage but but um, I thought possibly it was a fuel thing. And then also I picked Ty Gibbs over Harrison Burton. So actually I got three out of the four featured matchups correct, but in the overall standings it didn't work out. So I mentioned Almirola got me 25 points. Busher got me 34. Busher ended up in the top five there, I think, after that crash. Uh, Austin Dillon got me a whopping one point. Uh, Joey Logano got me 10 points. Uh, so I only made like an eight point swing between putting McDowell back in the garage and bringing Logano into my lineup. Eric Jones had a solid finish and he got me 31 points. So, um, I think, yeah, definitely having Dylan and Logano 
getting me 10 or less points basically killed my entire week. Um, let's talk about your wonderful lineup that actually ended up being worse than mine for once. This is one of those weeks I wish I would have forgot to do my lineup. Because there's probably guys that I would have had that would have done much better, but I had guys who ended up in all kind of messes because I had Logano, I had Larson, um, Harvick, Hamlin, and then Ryan. So Ryan was my best finisher. I had Busher in the garage, but at the time that I would have changed him, yeah, he, he was wasn't running well. Back. He yeah. wasn't running well. So I, you know, and then I split on on the four picks. I split. I mean, I had two of them right, two of them wrong. So everything was down the middle. Busher would have been maybe a 20 point difference for me, which really wouldn't have moved me that far up <laughs> in the, in the weekly standing. So it was just one of those weeks that hopefully we don't have another one like that. Now, what it would have done is it would have at least had you eclipse me in, in the standings and as points earned go for Talladega, yeah. you ended up 73rd overall with 122 points earned. I was 63rd overall, 131 points earned. So I think you would have jumped me there if you were able to make that pusher change. Um, let's take a look at the top 10, though. Um, we're going to start out here. Uh, with a tie here for ninth here. Moose 16-16 in JD Racing, tied for ninth, 169 points. A tie for seventh as well with TJH3 in Factory of Sadness 6 with 170 points. Uh, six here, we have Aw723 with 174. We have a tie for fourth between Montana 12 fan and Go Larson with 175 points. Holding down the third position is Eric D15, 185 points. Man, this was really tight. Third, second, and first. Um, second, Eric Epic Chickens, 1916-186. And first in the overall... Uh, for points earned at Talladega Super Speedway, go 12, go 187. So only two points from first to third there uh, in the points earned this week. Um, overall standings. I'm going to scroll down and try to find myself. 37th position, Team Blaney host Adam, 1,730 points. Steve, unfortunately, you've fallen out of the top 10. And I mentioned how close uh, this league is. You were 10th last week. Um, you dropped six spots to the 16th position, 1,828 points. Um, 10th, Frygau 12, 1,859. 9th, Eric D15, 1,862. 8th, Penske Fan 24, 1,877. Tie for 6th between Christian Dana and Blaring Idiots with 1,885. Uh, Blaney's Daisy in fifth with 1,890. The f- in fourth, the Nutty Gamer, 1,905. Third, Go Larson, 1,911. Second, Epic Chickens, 1916 with 1,930. And pulling away even further in the first position in the overall standings for the team, Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League is Factory of Sadness 6 with 1,984 points. Taking a look at this weekend's race, and I'll jump back ahead again to Dover. Um, the last several winners here at Dover, I will list them off, um, and there are some repeats here. So I'm going to start with 2018 and, and move forward. Um, Harvick, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex, Kyle Larson, Hamlin, Harvick, Bowman, Elliott. So there's a little bit of uh, Hendrick Motorsports going on here. There's a little bit of Joe Gibbs Racing going on here with uh, Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick thrown in as well. Um, Ryan, just because of the way he's run, maybe I'll keep him in the garage because you never know, but I don't think he's going to be in my starting lineup this week. Uh, Chase Elliott, since he's come back from this injury, has, um, you know, he won a stage, I think when he finished 11th or so, I think in the, in the race at Talladega, um, he had a top 10 the week before in Martinsville. Um, you know, people talk about the script, uh, going here that, you know, doesn't actually exist, but I would not be shocked, uh, for Chase Elliott to come out here and have a really strong run at Dover. So I'm going to consider him for my lineup. I'm going to consider Alex Bowman for my lineup. Uh, Kevin Harvick's run up front, um, in most races this year, even shockingly at the dirt race that he doesn't really <laughs> like that much. And he had, um, had a, had a relatively strong run going, uh, at points in Talladega. Um, so Harvick, he isn't someone that I don't think I've started all year long, but maybe, you know, the veteran in his last year, a lot of experience there, probably a lot of experience with the rhythm and running a line at that track is somebody else that, that I'm going to look at. And, um, 
Uh, Denny Hamlin is just chomping at the bit <laughs> to get a victory. If you listen to his podcast every week, uh, you can tell the kind of the passion in his voice and um, the way that that he thinks that they're so close to getting a win. Um, who are you? Anybody else that sticks out to you? Martin Truex Jr. Just, I mean, I just know the luck for him too has that's, just been awful, just like the tw- the twelve team at times this year as well. That's that's what I was thinking about after practice, seeing which organization. Um, had a good practice um especially between hendrick and gibbs because um if if one organization of those two had a good practice then you could pretty much pick three guys to your lineup right out of that organization um the, as a matter of fact the only gibbs gibbs guy i wouldn't uh, right now is the 54 um but the other three all could win the race you know bell hamlin truex could all win the race so those those are the two teams I'm just eyeballing down pretty hard. Um, you know, Joey and Ryan as a combo are, are pretty good. Uh, you know, to look at as you know one or the other, maybe to make that fourth or fifth guy. Um, Trackhouse. This is a type of race where Trackhouse is going to have to show up. Um, they've kind of like been mulling around there and being kind of close to things. And you know, Chastain's had some good runs, um, but I think now this this week is the week that. Uh, Maybe maybe the amigo shows up, you know, and it surprises some people. Yeah, remember, I feel like he uh, Suarez might have a win in the past in the Xfinity series, at least at Dover. But um, he had a he had a top ten run at Talladega after some of those those crashes. So um, mm-hmm. you're right, Trackhouse. You know, kind of set the world on fire last year, even though they only got three wins, and they're actually their third win. Um, or I think it was a Chastain second win actually came in that the same Talladega race the year prior. Uh, Suarez did win it at Sonoma a little bit later on mm-hmm. the year. They've had strong runs here and there, but yeah, you're right. There's there's a point when I think they need to kind of assert their dominance again, since they are much of the story all year long and end up finishing second in the standings with Chastain. So um, I would really love, like you said, we can't say it enough, but I, I kind of want to see practice this week just to see where people are at. And, um, you know, we expect maybe expected Ryan to have a really good shot at winning at Talladega. We expected it maybe at Martinsville. Um, what if this win, this win finally does come at a place we don't expect it maybe mm-hmm. somewhere like Dover. Well, Steve, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week's episode of the team Blaney podcast. I want to thank everyone once again for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just listen to our very first episode that explores our Blaney racing fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at team Blaney and on Instagram and TikTok at team Blaney. And finally, we'd like to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Established in 2018, this organization supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine through fundraisers, events, and membership in the Blaney Bunch Fan Club. To learn more, visit RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org or follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We talked about that Q&A from Talladega Day, or uh, <laughs> told you, Dave, uh, Steve, um, a lot of that Q&A actually you know, because it was originally going to be at the at the RBFF tent, was focused on the foundation itself and the stuff that they're doing and some of those events that are coming up. And I know you really like to plug kind of every every other week or so the golf outing that's coming up and talking about yeah. what kind of fun people can have if they as fans can go out there and experience that yeah. event. Yeah, they're they're still there's still a booth or two available. You know, so uh, you want to get on it. Uh, you know the. <clears throat> the registration's right there. They've uh, they got it uh, on their website. Um, you know, we talked. To, we got a chance to talk to Patty over the weekend about about it. And uh, you know, you can donate too. You don't have to show up. Um, there are donation levels. Uh, the, you know, they've got those uh, that uh, that wall that they put up with uh, with the donations on them and the people. And they, uh, you know, I think it's a donation over fifty fifty dollars. You get it autographed and and shipped to you too. So. Um, you know, we did that last year too. That was really cool. So you can, you can, uh, uh, come and join or you can go online and, and, and join. Uh, I know also they posted a thing a little bit ago today, um, uh, that they're looking for, um, the, uh, some things for auction, some items that uh, you may want to help them with their auction. Um, so if you've got something, a special piece of something that you might think that people would want to bid on, um, get a hold of them, um, and check out the, the link on that. And, uh, uh, the more things they can put up for auction too, the better it is. I know our, the friends that uh, went with us last year, they won uh, one of the auctions, uh, Jerry and his wife, Kirsten won one of the auctions and, and won tickets to a race. So, um, you know, look out for that when that launches too in, in, in the weeks to come. So you can look over those items. 
Yeah, so this Driving for Good event is happening at the Top Golf University in Charlotte. As Steve likes to say, you do not have to be a golfer to participate in this event, and there's so much fun stuff going on. Uh, again, you get to participate in, in the golf activities. Uh, they have this event catered, so there's plenty of food and drink. Um, last time we were there, plenty of body Armors. armor on hand. Armors, yeah. <laughs> so if you're a fan of body armor, uh, awesome. all, all you can drink for that. Um, you get an opportunity uh, to meet Ryan, get a photo with Ryan. So you have that kind of guaranteed interaction as well. Um, and it, all of this, you know, goes to a good cause. There's a whole deck that they have reserved just for fans at a, you know, a much reduced price than, you know, what somebody at the corporate level is going to be paying. So, um, you can kind of check out that information again on the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation on what website. They also have all that information on their social media channels and we retweet that stuff from time to time. So we encourage you to go out there and support them. But for now, and for my co-host, Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We're going to catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Check out the TikTok. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming. Hope you enjoyed it.